Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So here we go, Unshakable Part 4, we're in the last part of this series, and we've been talking about um, how to navigate some of the things in life and when um, when things seem very uh, unstable, when things seem very um, unclear, or maybe even confusing, or maybe um, you even get to the point of maybe where you even question, where's God in all this? You know, that's kind of normal. I'm going to explain it to you. It's kind of normal. A person of faith, anyone who's ever been a Christian for any length of time, and they've never come face to face with that thought of, where's God in this? You probably haven't really had a very lengthy Christian walk yet. Because at some point, you're going to hit a wall or you'll hit something that doesn't reconcile with what you believe. You understand what I'm saying? That it, it just doesn't make sense, or it's not, you know, as we would say in some Christian circles, it's not working right. Like, I've prayed, I've asked God, I've, I've, I've you know, I had the elders pray for me, I've used oil, I've <laughs> called the 1-800 number, did everything, right? Nothing's working. At some point, you hit, a, you hit something where... And, you know, and what's bad is, you know, you start feeling like a doubting Thomas. You start thinking, oh, I'm like, uh, you know, Peter in the Bible, I'm going to deny Christ. That's not it at all. You're, but your brain can only go so far, and it accepts things as long as it works. But the moment it fails to work, your brain says, we need another solution. Because this one's not working anymore. And that even with your faith. Because your brain is... You know, I'm not going to sidetrack on a message here, but spirit, soul, and body, you are a spirit, born again, that's part of you, your spirit. You, you have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's the part of you that questions a lot of things. Ask, you know. And then you have a body, a physical part that you interact with in this world. But spiritually, that's the part of you that's born again that relates with God. It worships God. It says, that's why Jesus said we got to worship God in spirit and in truth. That's, so when your mind says, I don't feel like it, you have to put your mind in check. And say, well, I didn't ask you what you wanted to do today. I came to worship the Lord. So deal with it. Oh, I don't like this song. Deal with it. We're going to sing. Oh, I can't sing. It's not in my key. Who cares? You're not in key anyway. Deal with it. <laughs> sing the song. You, you have to. I, I do. Like sometimes I don't. Uh, it's just you have to put your mind in check. If it's not your mind, it's your body. I'm tired. I'm just, I'm just I don't feel like it. So your spirit has to rise above this and say, hold on, we came here today to worship the Lord. And you have to do that. Because your mind says, when this isn't working, I don't feel like it, this and that and the other. It fights you. And eventually it says, hey, man, we need it. I need something else. So you're not a doubting Thomas if you question, why is this not working? You're not, uh, uh, you're not like a Peter in the God where you denied Christ and you're just, you know, whatever. That's not what that is. It's a normal thing that your brain would say, something's not working, help me figure it out. I need another solution. That's why you have to have the Holy Spirit and your spirit, which is feeding upon God's word, to come over and overcome the, the things that come at your mind when it comes to your faith. And I'm not gonna, I am not going to act like it doesn't happen. I am not going to stand up here as a pastor or a minister of the gospel and look at you and say, if you, you should never question God. That is ridiculous. You will at some point, and I hate to encourage you today, but you, you at some point, you will question some things. And that's completely fine. You know, how many questions did Jesus answer? 
he answered questions like crazy. And most of them were from his disciples, let's be honest. They asked some really weird questions. I mean, he looked at them, I think, sometimes like, seriously? He even said to a few men, have I been with you this long that you still don't get it? I think he wasn't, he didn't sin, but he was frustrated a little bit with them, don't you see? So <clears throat> if they were with him and they were having trouble, there's going to be some times where you and I come to this place. So, so how, do we, how do we overcome that then? So that's what we're going to talk about today a little bit through this area of we have questions and we have things that we don't understand. So let me read the context of the scripture again from Hebrews 12, verse 28. I want to read this again to you. And then we'll talk about it, okay? Hebrews 12, 28. So therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, okay? So our kingdom, it cannot be shaken. Now, if you look at the physical side of your life, then you might say, well, it feels like it's shaken. But you know, if I fall off of a bicycle, break my arm, that's a truth and it's a real thing that happened. But that doesn't mean the kingdom of God is falling apart because I fell off my bicycle. God's kingdom is greater than what we see. And that's why the prophet in the Old Testament would say to his servant uh, when he was praying to God, he's, the servant's freaking out. He says, look at all these guys coming after us. Look at the enemy. And he said, what is wrong with you? There's more with us than there are with him. And he went to the Lord and said, God, open his eyes. Well, he has physical eyes. He sees them. They're coming. God, open his eyes. That he might see. Why would he do that? Because physically his eyes are working because his spiritual indicators are low. They're not picking up on what God's doing. When you're injured and you get hurt, something's going wrong, it, it really screams a lot louder sometimes than what you might have built up spiritually. Okay? But his kingdom isn't shaken. Okay? So let us show gratitude then for by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. That's obviously our worship and our service unto God. But watch this. For our God is a consuming fire. Now, this is used many times as looked at as a negative. I don't look at it as a negative. I don't see this verse of Scripture as a negative at all. Because people take experiences and they'll say, well, see, I fell off my bike, I broke my arm, so God must be doing something to help me grow through it. That's, that's not a good understanding of Jesus or God the Father. That's not how it works. But people do all the time, see, he's a consuming fire, God just sends stuff to burn things out of your life. I, I just don't see it that way. I just don't. I mean... We need no help. Can we just all agree? We need no help from God in our flaws, failures, or mistakes in life. Can I get an amen? Like, we are all, we all have enough jacked up issues that I need no help from the Lord on that. I will figure out how to fall on my own easy enough, right? And so the Bible is very clear about this. So if you read in James, it'll say to you that don't say when you are tempted, or when you're going through a trial, that you are being tempted or tested by God. For God is not the author of that. He's not the one tempted. God. You can't say that based on what James says. God's not tempting people. That's not his business. Read the Gospels. Who was the one that led Jesus out into the wilderness to tempt him? Satan. If you want to know where temptation comes from, number one, your flesh Yes, chocolate chip cookies at midnight is a real thing. It's real. 
And it's not God, but it's flesh, okay? But the enemy will jump on board too and say to you, oh, yeah, you know, he'll just jump right in to tempt you. So God's not doing, but God will, as a consuming fire, he will take sacrifices and he will consume them upon the altar. See, God, everything that God consumed by fire, it had to do with a sacrifice. God didn't go around. I mean, like, listen, let, there, there was a couple of cities in the Bible that got it pretty hard. Okay, but let's just be honest. They, they would not repent, and so therefore things did happen. But I'm referring to right now in relationship with God. When you see the consuming fire, Elijah, calling down fire from heaven, if you will, um, that was a consuming fire, but it was based on sacrifice. The temple, when the, the, the animals and things were, were sacrificed to God, they were burned on the altar. He, he sets fire to things that we bring as a sacrifice. Y- y'all with me, right? So in other words, if, if I'm nervous about inviting a friend to church, and I never ask God for help with that, he's, don't worry, he's never going to set it on fire. Don't worry about it. But if you're brave enough to say, God, I'm nervous as I'll get out. Like, I am so, which I don't understand that whole thing, you know, nervous as a cat in a room filled with rocking chairs. Have you ever heard that? I don't understand that because we have a cat this morning that if it weren't for me stopping, I would have ran over the cat. She literally stayed behind our vehicle as I'm backing out. I'm watching, she'll move. She won't move. She lays there and just rolls over and looks at the camera. <laughs> Cats, man, you know, they're just weird. So I don't get the whole nervousness thing about a cat. Ours is not. I just don't know. But anyway, if you're nervous about inviting people to church and you want to see that dealt with, I dare you to pray and ask the Lord, God, I am giving you right now my fear and nervousness about inviting people to church. And I ask you to help me over the next six weeks overcome this and do it. Well, now you got something he can set fire to. Now he can do something with that. But he can't do anything with excuses or saying I can't or it's not you know, a good time or whatever else. He won't do anything with that. But if we're willing to bring something to him, he'll set it on fire. And it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. He will do a work in our lives. But he is not the author of the problems and the issues that we face in life. That is not God. He's just not doing it. He's your help in time of need. Don't run from him, but run to him, right? So he's not the the issue. He is the solution. So anyway, one of the most frustrating things about our minds, going back to our minds, is this. If you want God to help you with this, it it is this area that we call a, a lack of peace. Okay? Now, I don't know... Uh, where you are with this as far as with peace. But sometimes in life you just go through seasons where you just don't have any. And, and I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how many TV shows you watch or how many prayer requests you make or how many chocolate chip cookies you eat at midnight or whatever you do, you just can't find peace. You try all different things, it's just not working. And it's the greatest, I think, I don't want to say it's the worst thing of all, but it, it feels like it sometimes when you don't have peace, it can be one of the most trying things uh, you ever experience as a believer. And the greatest enemy that you and I face with not gaining peace in our life is this idea of worry. And it, it is the, I guess if peace is from God, then worry is the, the enemy of peace, okay? 
Because when you're at peace, you're relaxed. You're able to stop and even enjoy a moment and listen to God's word this morning when you're at peace. But when you're not, when your heart is in turmoil, your mind is racing, when you have great concern, it is very difficult to hear even a word from the Lord. Now, I'm going to show you that from Scripture. I didn't make that up, okay? But real quick, before I go further on this, I kind of briefly said this, but worry in its sinful state, it'll drive you crazy. But in its practical state of your mind, it is your brain doing calculations saying, give me another solution. And there's nothing wrong with your brain working that way. It's actually a good thing, okay? If you're going down the road, the traffic light is there, the light is red, you're slowing down, but the car behind you is not. Your brain says, you need to move over. It's a reaction to, that says stop, I know, but the car behind me is not stopping. It's obvious they're going to hit me, move over. Your brain is reacting to what just happened, and it's saying, by God's creation, react, move. And if that, if that doesn't work, move over further, right? And if you can't avoid it, what does your brain say? Prepare for impact. It's a natural thing. But if you do not have an outlet or an avenue to move to, your brain goes, what do we do? And this is the cycle that begins to go. And if not careful, it is perpetual. And your brain will run and your spirit never does. And so then peace is never gained by God. And so it, it's, it's very frustrating. So let's talk about that a little bit, okay? It's very important, number one, to understand this, that God gives us peace, regardless of whether I feel peace or I don't. Right now, he has given us peace. So what did Jesus say? He said, my peace or peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Do not let your heart be troubled or let it be fearful. Well, that sounds real easy, Pastor Jody. I hope you got a solution because my mind is not allowing me to accept that that statement this morning. I got you. I got you. Okay, we're going to talk about it. But if, it, if you leave worry unchecked long enough, it starts out as innocent things. It, it, it's innocent at first, but it's a downward spiral. Downward, I didn't mention about cats earlier, right? So, you know, we got a cat because one of our elders' wives decided she would pray. It felt like our kids needed a pet, unbeknownst to me. That's how we got a cat, just showed up at our house. I didn't go find it, ask for it, look for it, but I'm also not a... Look, I'm a, I'm a humane person. I, I'm not going to let an animal suffer. I mean, I, I really do. Look, if I see a little earthworm on the concrete and it's got, it can make it, I'll flick it over into the dirt, okay? I just, I'm not heartless, okay? I'm just not a cat fan. They're just weird. So, you know, thoughts go like this. Did I feed the cat today? Eh, no big deal. <laughs> Honestly, that is no big deal. It'll be fine. Now, we're keeping uh, Ronnie and Diana's little dog while they're on vacation. Different story of the dog. It's weird, but like, did we feed the dog? Did we feed the dog? Did we take the dog out? Did we do this? You think about, did we do this for the dog? The cat, eh. I don't know. It just, but if you leave it alone long enough, it it really will start thinking of other things. You'll go from worry to like almost an anxiety thing. It's like tension, stress, nervous about what once was just a little worry you think, oh man, what will they think about me because I said that? What will they think about it? because I just said I didn't feed the cat? Are, there's cat lovers in here probably. Oh, I know there are. Yeah. A few have texted me before after my cat statements. 
they're all jokes. Kind (laughs) of. But, you know, what will they think about me, right? I I said I didn't feed my cat. Is there somebody, you know, watching online? They're going to text the little animal control people or whatever they're online. The, 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 what do they call that thing? The peta people. They, you know, you don't feed his cat. You know, I, I wor- if I worry about it, I get up, what do they think about me? I didn't feed the cat. And, you know, you wonder if other cat people are talking about you, you know. And if you keep going with it, eventually it leads to fear. If the cat gets sick, well, maybe it's because I didn't feed the cat. Maybe it's my fault that the cat got sick. Maybe, maybe it's me, you know. Oh, and I can't go to the vet now because if I go to the vet... They probably heard that I didn't feed my cat. So if I do that, now they're going to know, so I've got to go somewhere. Do you see what I'm saying? It is a downward spiral in your mind. Now, that's a silly thing about a cat, I know. But unchecked, this thing will let fear begin to drive your decisions. And fear is not of God. First Timothy 1.7, I, I I'm using a New King James version on this one, but you can look it up in any translation you have. It says, for God, watch this, has not given us a spirit of fear. The word spirit is pneuma, it's breath, it means the spirit. There, there are some who have tried to say this is not referring to a spirit, it's an emotion. Let me just tell you something right now, okay? I say it nice. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. It is, the word pneuma is not emotion. The word pneuma is God breathed on man and he became a living being. He was already created. He was a fleshly thing sitting on the ground, but no life. Life comes from the spirit of an almighty God. And when God breathes in you, you become alive. It's It's a spirit, pneuma. It's the word spirit comes the same word from the Holy Spirit. It's pneuma, hagia. It's the spirit of God, the spirit that is holy. So this word is not emotion. Well, fear is just an emotion. It can be, yes. But it's important to understand, it can be a spirit. And that thing will jump on you when you let it. And you'll be afraid of things you've never been afraid of before. There's a real fear. Yes, a real normal, like, you know, speed limit says 40. You should respect that. You drive 80 on a 40, yes, you should be afraid. That's a real emotion, but that's not what he's talking about here. He says, God has not given us a spirit, pneuma, a fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. It's important to understand that God's given you a spirit, of power, of love, and of a sound mind. A spirit from God can overcome a spirit of fear. Okay, it's important to understand because if you've heard this before, well, fear is just an emotion. It is, but that's not what he's talking about here. You, God has given you peace to combat this spirit of fear. So God has given you peace. Number two, this is important. God speaks to us in peace. This is why I said, right, this is why it's hard to hear from God when you're not in peace. So if you're in a time that's shaking, if you're in a time that's uncertain, you're questioning things, I just, this is really, really important. You've got to get yourself aligned with peace because that's when you can hear from the Holy Spirit. So, let me read this to you, Colossians 3.15. And let the peace of God, watch this, rule or govern your hearts. It means your emotions and your mind. Either one could be there. You have got, the peace of God has to rule or govern. That means a govern, 
A government, we have a bad, I think, interpretation of government because what we see in our, in our, in our country, you're either for or against it, you hate it, you love it, you don't like the parties, you like this party, the person, presidents, no, whatever. The word government in its purest form is, is in an essence, it is a protection, if you will. It is meant to be there to help throttle, if necessary, what's happening. If there's great crime in a nation, your nation should put their big boy pants on and call it for what it is and deal with it instead of making excuses for it like we're doing right now. Well, you know, let them steal some stuff because it's not worth whatever. Bust their chops and it'll stop. Right? I mean, if one of our local officers, which, you know, wonderful people, if you're going down the road... And they never stop you for speeding. Let's pick the road where we all know you should do the speed limit. Over here on the loop, right? If you're, you know coming down that hill, everybody knows, listen, you go down the hill, you've gained a little speed, watch it. But if they never stop anybody for the next year, are you really going to go 45? No, you're not. And don't you lie to me, you're in church. I'm watching you. Every one of you going to speed, and why? Because you don't respect what has been initiated or said they would do because there's no one governing it. But the moment you govern it, boom, it enacts and people respect what has been said and enacted. The, the peace of God has to rule or govern our hearts. So what happens is your heart says, I don't know what to do. I don't know why this is happening. I don't understand this. At that moment, you either let that get in check and run the day or you go and you find, wait, where's the governor? My God, God has got to let the peace of God rule and govern this situation. I know I don't know what to do here, but God, I thank you. I'm going to let you rule in my heart today. I don't know what to do here, but I'm coming to you and I'm looking to you today, Lord, for the answer. Versus, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And you text five different people, I don't know what to do. And you put it on Facebook, I don't know what to do. You Instagram a picture, what do I do? It's not going to help. Let the peace of God govern your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So why does he say this? Because, again, God speaks in peace. He does not speak in stress. Well, maybe he does, but we just don't hear him. How about that? Maybe a better way of saying that. Probably does speak in stress, but we we honestly, we don't hear him because we're so stressed. So watch this. Can you prove that? Yes. So let me read this to you. Psalm 85, verse 8. The psalmist says, I will hear what God the Lord will say. There you go. Watch this. For he will speak, what? Peace to his people, to his godly ones. But let them not turn back to folly. Now, you could say folly uh, could be sin. Okay, think of it this way, though. Is it possible that fear, worry, anxiety, and all those things, is it possible that we would turn back to that? That could be folly? I think so. Because watch this. We... You've heard from the Lord before. You, you've gotten, the Lord has spoken to you before in something. At some point in your life, he has called you, spoken to you. He has confirmed something in your heart. If I'm not hearing anything right now, why would it be? Could it be because I'm so stressed or I'm so fearful I can't hear him? He says, don't turn to the folly of that. Find peace because he speaks. Peace to his people. So how do I get peace? All right. How can I hear his voice in the midst of storms, out of a storm, you know, what I do? 
Well, check this out. This is very interesting about the word peace. So you've heard this. If you go to Israel, this is a very common statement that is mentioned. You see someone here, we say, hey, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Hey, hello, whatever. In Israel, or if you meet someone who's of the Jewish, uh, you know, their nationality, they're very engaged with a Jewish background, they will say shalom. You heard this before? Shalom. Look at your neighbor right now and say shalom. All right, look at the other person. Find somebody around you, turn around, holler at them, whatever you got to do, throw something at them. Say shalom. Now, if you're Jewish, if I didn't pronounce that right, please forgive me. It's, it's a Georgia thing. Okay, it's not going to happen. Try. But let me put this um, up on the screen for you to see if I can put... Yeah, okay, there it is. So this is the Hebrew word shalom. That's the spelling of it. And listen, I, it, this is counterintuitive for us. They go right to left with the, with the lettering. So when I, when I give this to you, um, you have to understand, I can't flip their word around backwards to make sense in how we, you have to think right to left, okay? So you look at that little squiggly up there with the, it looks like a, a W, okay? Go right to left, that's the first letter, okay? Make sense? Okay, so it's, it's a little different. But they don't, again, with their words, their letters mean things. I mean, when I was growing up in, in kindergarten, we had the letter people. That's how we learned our alphabet, the letter people. You know, the letter A, this way. Okay. Sorry, that's just different now. I know you don't do that, but anyway, it was fun. So that just was a letter. It didn't mean anything. A is for apple, whatever. Aardvark. You know, you just went through the thing. But definitions were for the word, not the letter. Hebrew culture letters mean stuff. So check this out. So going right to left, the, the letters, each four letters, it, the first one means destroy, authority, bind, chaos. So when you, when you express that and define the word shalom, it actually means to destroy the authority that binds itself to chaos. Yeah, wow, is right. Check it out. When you, when you talk, so in the Jewish culture, pray for the shalom of Israel. Pray for the peace of Israel. Pray that it might destroy the authority that binds to chaos. We don't understand that because we don't, well, we're seeing some, some of it a little bit. We don't understand what it's like to be in a nation where you don't know what's coming over your fence. We have no concept of that. And we get on TV and people blast them for their position on things. We have no concept of what they have to deal with. We, we may have an iron dome, but it's not for like Alabama. You know what I'm saying? Like we're not worried about the Alabamians coming over and throwing rocket grenades across the border, right? At least we don't think we are. Yeah, we never know. Football season's coming in, so it might get a little rough. But Guys, Israel, I, don't even, I can't remember the size. Let's say it's the size of, 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 I don't know, New Jersey. It's a little bit bigger than that, maybe Delaware, whatever. It's not even a third of the size of Georgia. And their neighbors around them, in certain parts, not all, but in certain parts, just throw some bombs in, man. So they, when they say pray for the peace, they mean literally they are praying for the stoppage of this destruction of the authority that binds itself to chaos. So what does that mean for us? Well, when Jesus says to you, he has left you his peace, he's saying, I have left you something greater than just a, a word. And as Christians, we read this and we think, oh, it's just peace. Pray for my peace. Well, what you're really saying is, 
pray. If you guys will put that back on the screen, I want to make sure you guys have time to see this. Pray, all right, for the, 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 to destroy the authority that has bound itself to the chaos in my life. So watch this. So your kid's driving you nuts. You don't know what to do, and it feels like it's chaos in your house right now. Pray for the destruction of that authority that has tried to connect itself and bind itself to chaos. See, the chaos is one thing. It's, it's just upsetting the apple cart. Oh, it's just a rough day. But you had one rough day, that's one thing, but now you had two. And now you got three. And now it turns into a week and a month. Before, before long, it's all like this, what, I'm just having a bad year. Well, there's a problem then. Something has gone from a bad day to it's kind of bound itself to your world. And the only way you're going to break that is getting God's peace involved. Because the enemy, let me tell you what, he, he wants to create chaos in your family. And he wants to create chaos in your personal life as well where you cannot function. That's his ultimate goal, to get you so worked up on any subject, pick it, whatever, it doesn't matter. You can let, look, I know I'm playing, ball games are coming in. You can let ball games get to the point where it turns from being joking with your friend to now you're mad. Don't, don't let that authority bind and create chaos in your family. That job you got, you know, that you, you, know, you need, yeah, but it's a job. It's not your life. Don't let it get to the point where it's, it, there's some kind of authority that now has bound itself and created such a chaos in your life that, that that job has got you so altered up so messed up, you're so worked up over that job. It's just a stupid job. It is not your life. Your life is first with God, and then it's your family. If you're married here, that spouse you're sitting with, man, that right there should be more important to you than that job. Yeah, I said it. it's true. Yeah, but no buts about it. It shouldn't have preeminence over your family. It's just a job. They're everywhere right now. All right, so moving on. Let's, let's read this because I feel like I'm stuck in the mud here. John 16, 33. I'm going to read this from the message, and I'm going to tell you this. Before I read this, this is a message. This is not a translation. This is not a version. This is one guy who wrote a commentary on the Bible who never expected it to turn into what it did, okay? So don't take this as literal word for word. This is a true I'm just giving it to you from a different side, okay? So John 16, 33, Jesus said, I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be what? Unshakable. If you're unshakable, then you're also assured. Deeply at what? Come on, let's say it together. Peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. Thank you, Jesus. We all know that, but it's good that he told us that. But take heart, for I've conquered the world. What he's saying is, listen, <clears throat> I destroyed the authority that binds to chaos. I've conquered the world. You do not have to live in turmoil while you're here on this planet. <clears throat> you might go through some stuff. I'm not saying you won't have issues that you have to deal with. But it's a promise from the Lord you can have peace. 
And you've been bound together by God in Christ Jesus and made in his family. And no matter, when I say this, no matter failure, circumstance, or trials, you're still a part of his family and he wants you to act like it. That's why he says in Romans 8, 15, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you have received, watch this, the spirit. Now, no one wants to argue with this about the word spirit. They want to say, well, that's an emotion. No, spirit of adoption by where we cry out. The most, the most descriptive form of God the Father in the Hebrew culture would be if you say Abba, Papa. It's an, it's an enduring word. My kids call Ronnie Papa. Say, Papa? Now, he picked that. You know, he, he, that's what he wanted, I guess. Uh, he, you, know, he kinda, you know, if you're not a grandparent, I've learned this much about grandparents. Uh, if you don't want like Meemaw or something like that, then you need to describe what you want. One wants G-Mama, one wants this, whatever. I, what are y'all picking crazy? Enough? So kids will come up with their own because it's what's easy to pronounce. But some grandparents like instill, no, I am grandmother. You know, you, you got to keep working it until they get it figured out, right? They'll call you what they want. But Papa is a very enduring term. It's different than father. It's different than dad. Papa. It's a very loving and enduring word. And he says, we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, I don't know what, you, what that means to you as far as with your kids, your family, or whatever else. Like in ours, you know, our kids come busting in and like they raid the fridge, they raid the cabinets, they do whatever. I mean, I, that's their house too, you know. I mean, I, we take care of the most of everything, but like they, they are our family, so they get to just enjoy, and they have the rights to come in. Like they know, look, mom and dad, we may be sitting there talking. They are welcome to come in anytime. Just boom, come on in. They come in, bust into our room all the time. Like jump on the bed, all three of them just everywhere. And like the only thing I ask them is, please don't drag our cover off the bed when you jump in. Like it just gets all messed up. Just, just. Don't go crazy, okay? But most time it doesn't matter because it's like, ah. So the other night, I said to them, literally, I had to be up very early. I had a phone appointment, and I had to be up like super, like 4 a.m., okay? Crazy. I don't know why, but anyway, that's not, I don't understand why we should ever have to get up at 4 a.m. That's not even, I'm not sure the Lord was up then, but. I I had to check in, you know, like, you say you never sleep. Are you sure right now? Because. I would sleep. <laughs> no one would ever know, you know. But anyway, I just said for this one night, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to bed early, like nine something. I said, I got to go to bed. So I'm shutting the door. And when I go to bed, listen, I, just for tonight, please don't bust in. When I say they bust in, I mean just boom. It's like wide open. Please don't bust in. Just go to bed. I'll tuck you in now. Just give me this one. I just need one night. Okay. Any other time, you're good. So the next night, Piper goes, Dad, we good tonight? Yes, y'all can bust in tonight. It's no problem. And here they go. Boom. It's just a one-night thing. Because they're family. They're my kids. I don't care. Like, I've already watched and gone. Like, I've watched Pastor Victor, like, just agonize over taking his baby girl to college. And I'm thinking, oh, my. Oh, no, 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 no. This is all, like, happening really fast. So I don't care if they bust in. I don't care. I only have so much time with them. I don't care. I'm their dad, but imagine how much more. And I'm not a granddad, but you granddaddies out there. 
It's like you could be the toughest dude in the room, but I watch you when your grandkids come in. You're the biggest wimp I've ever seen in my life. When they come around, you just melt like ice cream. Oh, I mean, you're tough. My father-in-law is a tough guy. Like, he is a, he, he loves Jesus, but he's a tough dude. I have a friend one time that said, I still wouldn't mess with him. Because, he said, he, he might be older than me, I'm not messing with him. He loves Jesus. He's a tough guy. Those girls get around him. He just changes completely. Hey, how are you? Come here. Look, I got some candy over here. Y'all want some candy? I went out to the store before they come over. I bought some donuts. I bought some pastries. I mean, they love it. They just like, it's just the biggest. I thought, that's crazy. I buy some for my kids. I never buy them that much at one time. Papa's. It is a sign of super of endearment. And God loves you so much. He has that relationship with you that says, I don't care what your day is like right now. You can bust in on me and tell me about it right now. Because I'm big enough to handle your mess. I love you and I care about you. And yeah, I know it's. My little kid asked, what does this mean? H-E double hockey sticks. I try to be careful what I say sometimes. H-E double hockey sticks right now in your life, and it's completely a wreck. But my door is always open for you. If you want to, you come in and tell me all about it right now, and I can help you. And this last thing I want to share with you is this. Why is that important? Because you've got to fight for your peace. He wants to hear it, and he wants to help you, but I'm going to tell you, out of all the things I feel like I've had to fight in my life, this one right here seems to be the toughest. To, to have peace. Just to, just to have some, you know, some people, I, I think it's, it's this misinterpretation in our culture. You know, I went fly fishing before. And I think sometimes people think, well, if you go fly fishing, that's expensive. Yeah, I know. You're right. So are lots of counseling visits. And if you've been through this, don't, please don't take offense to what I'm saying. But so is when your marriage gets in such a situation, you can't fix it. And what happens when you have to deal with things you can't? Because it's just, you, sometimes you've got to do some things that, need, that help you get peace again. And I find God speaks to me when I'm at peace, and I'm at most peace when I'm on a little river, in a boat, when some dude's fixing the rod and reel, I don't do anything. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's go. Hey, I'm stuck in the tree again, boss. Here you go. I'm going to eat a sandwich, pop up in a Coke. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I'll go fishing in a minute. I'm going to ride down the rapids here, just roll down the river. It did something. It helped me, okay? Maybe that's not your thing. But I found you've got to fight for peace. So watch this real quick. I'm going to wrap up with these last few scriptures. Isaiah 26.3 says, The steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. It means keeping our mind on what Jesus said in God's word. It keeps us in peace and it keeps worry out. And because most of the time, listen, you worry about things you can't fix. Is it not true? If you could fix it, you wouldn't worry about it. Think about that for a moment. If you could fix it, you would not worry about it right now. But the reason you worry is watch this little control freaks in the room right now. You can't fix it. 
Can, can we all take a deep breath right now? Because I'm going to say a few things and just, just do this real quick and, and where I'm going to let you go, okay? Everybody take a deep breath and count of three. One, two, three. <sighs> let it out. It does good for your blood pressure, I found. It's good for endorphins. It's a chemical in your brain, whatever. Let's do it again. One, two, three. <sighs> Don't get choked up there. You probably haven't done it in a while. It's okay. Listen to me. You're not going to fix the politics in our nation. One, two, three. Right? You know why you're mad about it and frustrated? Because you can't fix it. It's out of your control. Let's go one step further. You're not going to fix the national financial crisis in our country with national debt. I know you're worried about giving it to your grandkids. You're not going to fix it. Everybody take a deep breath. You can't fix it. Unless you go run for something or whatever, and good luck with that. At this point, it would take massive amount of agreement to work through some of the stuff we got to deal with. And, but you're carrying it as if you're going to fix it. And I'm not saying ignore. I'm not saying don't. You prepare for you and your family. Do what you need. But to carry the weight of this nation is not a wise thing to do. The Lord, he's the one that causes nations to rise. And he'll bring them down if he has to. He, he says, I'm the one that has the heart of the king in the palm of my hand. And I can turn it whichever way I want it to go. Now, we don't like that because we're in America. And bless God, we vote for who we want. But just because you voted for them doesn't mean when they get in there, God might say, I'm doing something different. And we don't like this, do we? I know. But the facts are, it'll eat you up or you can let it go and trust in God. Psalm 55, verse 22. I'll put it on the screen for you real quick. Cast. I'm trying to help you get some peace here today, okay? Cast your burden upon the Lord and he will watch. Come, listen, if you sit in your room all day long like a little kid and you never go to your papa and say, I'm scared. I'm mad and I'm, I'm frustrated. This isn't fair. If you never talk to him, you're not casting anything over him. You're holding it all yourself. And I'm tell you, the greatest release I've ever learned as a pastor, I'm going to tell you something. It, it, is, it was a hard lesson to learn. I didn't know how to cast care of people over unto the Lord. So when people were sick, I, I kind of took it with me. When people were having marriage problems, I kind of carried that with me. I, I didn't know how to get rid of it. For some reason, I just, I'm not a caring, like a worrying type person, but that was burdening to me. I don't know why. It just, I couldn't figure it out. Until someone finally told me, as a minister said, are you, are you giving all this to the Lord? Do you give your church to the Lord? Do you give the pastor, do you give this to, no, what he was talking about. So I took time, sit through enough sessions of listening to people and go, I don't do that. I had to learn to cast my care on the Lord. You have to do the same thing. That job, you give it to God. Lord, it's not fair. You talk to him about what's wrong. Don't hold it in. Cast like a fishing rod. Cast it over onto the Lord. And then he will, watch this, sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. You've got to cast it, man. That's like fishing. Maybe that's why Jesus went after fishermen. I don't know. Like He's cast it. Fly fishing helps me. I'm casting stuff. But, you know, Philippians, 
4, 6, listen to this, watch this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, my brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, right, whatever is pure and holy and lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things, not your national politics and issues. Not the problems with a family member you can't fix for them. Not the issues of, you know, your job that they keep putting this stuff out there and you don't know what to do with it. He says, you think on the things that are good, the things you've learned and seen in me and heard in me, practice these things and watch this. And then the God of peace will be with you. Peace. Peace. Peter says, cast all of your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. And so this morning, right here where you are, your opportunity today is to give God whatever is burdening you right now. Like, I'm trying to help you get some peace. And I, look, somebody else could probably communicate it differently. You might have heard better messages on it. That's not the point right now. The point is, what is the Holy Spirit trying to get off of you so you can walk out those two doors today in peace? even in the midst of a chaotic world around you. So, this morning you have a moment. We're going to take a moment here to pray. You can worship God during this moment. You can, you know, just between you and the Lord, however you want to do it. But I'm going to ask you to just take this, this moment and just close your eyes. Bow your heads right there where you are. And what I'm asking for, everyone in the room, and if you're watching online right now, I... What I am asking for, I know it, it is difficult to do. And I am not, um, I'm not making a lot of that. How about that? What I'm asking you to do this morning, I know is something that's difficult. To, to take the pain, the cares, the worries of this life that you have right now. And to transfer this over onto the Lord, it is not always an easy thing to do. But if you were to get the imagery while your eyes are closed, sometimes it's easier to do with your eyes closed because you can imagine better. So I want you to, if you'll, if you'll participate with me, close your eyes. In the Old Testament, they would transfer the sin of, of the humans, or the, of men, of women, they would transfer the sin onto the animal by laying their hands on, on the animal, if you will. It was a transference of the sin, of the thing, of the issue. It was a moment, and then that, in a sense, I know it sounds a little far-fetched sometimes about when we talk, but these are things that God initiated. It was to help people understand. By laying the hands on them, by doing that, you transferred what was wrong with you into or onto that animal. In the same way, in a sense, if you can imagine this, when you cast your cares over onto the Lord, you're, you're transferring the worry and the care and the anxiety over onto the Holy Spirit, onto God the Father, because He can handle it, and you and I can't. And so right now, whatever it is, I'm going to pray for you, but you're going to have to do this yourself and give this to the Lord. And how do you do that? You communicate with God. The hardest lesson I ever learned was I prayed for everybody else. I prayed for my situations. I prayed for God to do something in our church, something in my life. But I didn't communicate to God about my cares 
and therefore I held on to them, not realizing it. So I want you right now to give these to the Lord. Whatever it is, if it's a marriage right now that's in trouble and you're struggling, I want you just to give this to the Lord right now and say, God, I'm going to do my part. This doesn't mean you're not going to do your part. But Holy Spirit, I ask you to take this worry of my marriage right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I pray right now for every person in this room that's struggling right now with a job, that pressure at work that's beyond what should be, hours that are going above what's normal for any human being, weight that shouldn't be there, weight that's been put on them that maybe someone else didn't put, maybe they just put it on themselves. In Jesus' name right now, Lord, help them to give that to you today. Dear Lord, there's those in here right now, they have cares about their children, their worries about what they're going to do in life or where they're going. Holy Spirit, right now I pray. God, help us to lead and guide and direct in all our ways, but also help us to trust in you, Abba, Father. Papa, our God, our Father. Help us hand off our kids to you well. God, lead and guide and direct them, Lord. Help them stay in good company and good relationships. Most of all, Holy Spirit, keep drawing them to yourself. For those in the room that maybe I'm not calling out your thing, but it's you can't fix it, it's out of your control. In Jesus' name, right now. I just pray that you would give that to the Lord. Just release it. You know, my prayer would be something like this. Dear Lord, you see what this situation is. And it's beyond my ability to fix it, God. And you acknowledge it. I'm scared. It makes me nervous. I'm worried about it. But Lord, it's not helping by me having these emotions. So I'm trusting you right now. And I'm fighting for peace. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill me with your peace as I give you these things that I'm worried about in Jesus' name. God, help me to... Allow the peace of Christ to rule in my heart. Now, if you're here right now with your eyes closed and you don't know the Lord, I just want to pray for you right now. We're going to pray for you as a church. Everybody's going to pray. But if you don't know the Lord, you're watching online, you're in the room, you don't know Jesus, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. The whole church will pray with you. You won't be by yourself. But the Bible says if a man or woman believes in their heart that Jesus is Lord, confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, they shall be saved. So right now, we're going to pray this together. I want you to say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today, and I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you all my worries and all of my concerns. In Jesus' name, I ask you to save me and to fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we're so proud of you. Right, church? Would you give him a hand? Now, as Gary comes up, he's going to close out today for you, but I just really felt like today in sharing this as wrapping up this, most of what we see and hear and experience in life, it, it gets us worked up and we lose our peace. And uh, it's like a sailor without a compass or a... Um, the gimbal, whatever the thing is that they can see. If they lose their navigational instruments, they're lost. And your greatest navigational instrument is peace. As a believer, you've got to have it.
So whatever you have to do, fight for it. Do whatever you have to do to keep the peace of the Lord in, in your heart, okay? So uh, as Gary comes up, I want to show this last image up real quick uh, for you. I was in my Bible software, and uh, I'll just leave this up where you see he comes up. If you guys don't mind showing this, this with the anchor. So my Bible software, this is crazy. It pops up little things like this. But look what it says. Blessed is the man or woman who remains, watch, steadfast. Steadfast in the Lord. And it's like an anchor, you know, to your soul. And so I don't know, I'm going to leave this up for a minute. Gary's going to close out. But I want you to really maybe go and look at the verse of Scripture in James. And check it out. It's James like one two or 112. Go check it out and, um, and uh, maybe snapshot of that. But be steadfast, right? Steadfast in the Lord. And that's where that peace is going to come from. So, hey, you guys welcome Gary as he closes out today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, our prayer partners will come up front now. They'll be available after service. If you need to pray for peace in your life, uh, these folks will be glad to pray with you. So if they come on up, I can remind you again about giving. Thank you so much for your generosity. The different ways we give here. If you're new, we don't pass a plate around. You've noticed that. There's offering boxes on the uh, about near the doors as you exit the auditorium here. You can give online. You can text to give. There's a whole, whole lot of different ways to do that. And prayer partners, you are supposed to be coming up front right now. Um, uh, last thing, too, I think there's a QR code up here. Next week is Catch the Vision. We do that the first Sunday of every month. Um, if you want to find out, if you've been coming here for a little while, you want to be part of what uh, we're doing here, kind of what makes Cornerstone tick, how you guys be a part of it, it's called Catch the Vision. You can sign up. There's a QR code. You can uh, do that thing. You can sign up at the information center out there. Um, I want to just... Um, just a brief story here about pastors talking about earlier this morning about inviting people for the next month and i had an occasion on friday um i went and had my truck painted or the top of the roof of it painted and when he brought it out that my truck wouldn't start so i had to go out friday morning call a tow truck and i'm already not at peace because i'm already wondering how much it's going to cost me because my truck doesn't start and everything else and this young guy pulls up in the tow truck jumps out and he kind of looks at me and I thought oh boy he's not having a good day and he said well it's really good he said I live right around the corner here so it didn't take me very long to get here and he looks at the truck and is sitting in the yard he says uh you know we're probably gonna have to push that truck over on the driveway because I can't take my tow truck on the yard so I might break a pipe I said okay great and he said my back is really killing me and so he and I, so I get in front of the truck, and he gets it holding the steering wheel, and we push this big old truck back on the driveway. Finally get it, he puts it up, I follow him to the, to the tow truck yard, and we unload the truck. And um, I gave him a tip, uh, and I said, here, you know, take your wife out to dinner. I said, I really appreciate you helping me. And I was just thinking, as Pastor was talking this morning, I was supposed to invite that guy to church, and I missed the opportunity when he looked at me, and I could have said something to him. And I'm gonna, it's gonna be really weird now because I'm gonna have to call him. Uh, I'm gonna have to get his phone number. I know where he works. I know his name. And tomorrow I'm gonna have to call there and get his cell phone number. And I'm gonna have to call him and say, hey, I'm not really weird and this isn't really weird, but I need to ask you to see if you'd want to come to church. And the thing about that is we're not responsible for the answer that they give. It's our responsibility to ask. The Lord is going to put it on their heart whether they come or not. And they may even tell you no the first time, but you may plant a seed in that person's life. So just remember that. Whoever, it's not weird when you, at, when you miss that opportunity, 
then maybe you're going to have to do something weird like I'm going to have to do. So take take that opportunity when you do it. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to send you out with the Lord's blessing out of uh, Numbers chapter 6. And this is really, really appropriate today of all days because the Lord said to Moses uh, and Aaron, and tell this to the people. He said, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Take that peace with you today. Have a great week. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.